I was the kid who didn't want to be the hero. The rest of them dreamt of being the ones to hit the walk-off Grand Slam down three in the bottom of the ninth to win the World Series. I couldn't handle the pressure. I just wanted to be at the game. But what happens when you're that kid is you start to notice things. What's really going on in this game, how it works, what it's really about. I looked to my left and my right and straight out at the crowd in front of me. And as I got older, the seats at the park would get tighter and all it ever felt like was a python starting to squeeze. There are 30 teams in this league and they all have a gun to my head. And they're all so cheap, they don't even want to waste a bullet. They want me to do it myself. Fuck them. I'm not taking the sunglasses off. The sun shines so brightly these days. Even one person starts to see this game, this world, the way I do, I've done my job. And it's up to them. And maybe they do my job a little bit better. One becomes two. Two becomes four. Four becomes an eight. And eventually it becomes enough. But for now, for now, as long as I can think and breathe and feel and speak, it's my job. That's what you would have wanted. Right, Bart? I know I'm no hero. I never was. But now I can handle the pressure. They want me to be a patsy. Regular Lee Oswald. <laughs> well, there's grass on the knoll. Play ball. Desperately in need of some stranger's hand. Welcome to Wide Strike Zone, the first baseball podcast that is based on a true sport. I'm Corey. And I am Sam. And we're just two ordinary men thrust into a world beyond our control. Less seriously, we are, uh, we're just uh, some baseball fans who are here to bring you sort of our take, our view of the game we all love. And uh, maybe, maybe give a perspective that isn't often seen, a sort of tilted kaleidoscopic view of things you once thought you knew. Yeah, like a a balance of real truths, maybe some twisted truths, half-truths. You know, it's going to be a fun time. It really is, and and that's the priority here. We have, a, we have some grand ambitions, and uh, we want to read them out for you. We have a list of 10 things that are our ultimate goal uh, with this podcast and sort of the reason we started it. Uh, and one of the big reasons is that we've we've sort of grown frustrated with the uh, mainstream baseball media and the things they'll sort of overlook, the things they'll maybe uh, give give uh, more credence to than they should uh, or less than they shouldn't. Uh, so we're going to call this the columnist manifesto. There, there's there's so many people in baseball journalism that are essentially in the pockets of Major League Baseball carrying water for them and we promise we will never carry water for major league baseball we will never drink it either we'll never yeah we know what's in it sprite uh you know whiskey miller light all sponsors of this podcast ideally we got to make money somehow we're sure not going to make it an actual baseball media if you listen to anything we're going to be putting out okay 11th goal i know we haven't gone through our 10 but uh bluetooth sponsorship We're, we're we're here uh, I'm currently wearing Mac Weldon underwear. Anyway, sort of related to what we've been saying, uh, you know, number one, 
and the columnist manifesto. We want to be called dangerous by Ken Rosenthal or any sort of similar mainstream uh, sports commentator. Ken, what do your what what's the code of your bow ties? What do those bow ties really mean, Ken? We know, Ken, and soon the people will. We'd like to be banned from a ballpark that we uh, that we never would have gone to anyways, sort of like a you can't quit, you're fired situation. Yeah, we want uh, like wanted posters. Uh, have you seen this man posters hung up around Kauffman Stadium? Which will be like a great reminder for us that the Royals exist and then we can do an episode on the Royals. Yeah, we need to get banned from all the ballparks of teams we would not remember otherwise. It's the only way to guarantee that the Royals and the, I, I would have said the Rangers, but they just won the World Series. So so good it's move. It's so funny. I was going to say the Diamondbacks. Yeah. <laughs> the two, two of the most forgettable teams, uh, according to Sporkle quizzes. Finally, making it happen. Number three is uh, there's some rules we want changed in MLB, and they're not ones that come up in discussion very often. So getting a rule changed in the MLB rule book is uh, high on our priority list. An early episode, perhaps even the next episode, will concern one of these. So keep an ear out for it. We'd, we'd obviously welcome and have plans for some of our friends to come on this show. And also, hopefully, some folks from the baseball world. And we would like... We would like someone from the baseball world to come onto this show and then have to apologize to the public for appearing on our show. We want Spencer Strider to come on our show and then be forced to condemn Hamas. Number five on the list is get fan graphs to bring back not graphs and give it to us. Not a lot of people know what not graphs is. Sam actually didn't before this discussion started, but uh, fan graphs used to have sort of an onion like subsection where they made posts that were good and worth reading. And uh, it's been nearly 10 years since it went down. And uh, we think it's about time to bring it back. We've got some ideas for it. And uh, I think it's time they relinquish this sort of dead domain and give it to someone who who knows what they're doing with it. Yeah, some new blood. I think in that same vein, too. I mean, like, Onion-esque, Hard Times, any of those satire things. They're all they're all dropship and shit. They've got mm-hmm. mugs, they've got t-shirts, and, at, you know, as we've been talking, and, I mean, for years that we've been buddies doing bits online, I feel like we come up with various te- t-shirts, hats, whatever, and I think it would be it'd be a dream of mine to never have to work again because our dropship t-shirts do so well. Yeah, we could easily make multiple dollars per month with t-shirt sales, really supplement our income, you know, keep uh, keep bringing you the, the truth, really. We're hoping to open open people's eyes. And I feel like once your eyes are open, you need to broadcast that to the world. Maybe that's via a t-shirt of Tony LaRusso riding the sandworm from Dune. Yeah, or a Yankee suck t-shirt with the pride flag colors on it. What does that mean? You decide. Similarly, because we're going to be breaking a lot of important uh, stories that were buried, have one of our sort of unearthed, discovered stories cited by a major non-sports source. Because that's when you know you've really hit the big time. When you've got the Atlantic or the Wall Street Journal talking about what you've done, that's when you've crossed over and you've really made a difference. Yeah, we we want like Barry Weiss to write an op-ed about like the dangers of, of insert future story. Is it a problem that kids on college campuses are talking about the Los Angeles Dodgers? 
I think it would be great. Goal number, I guess we're on eight at this point. Sort of in a similar vein to uh, getting a rule changed. Like creating, like having some real, real pull in this sport that we love so much and that we want to make better. I think we would like to get at least one, maybe two uh, BBWAA cards. Baseball Writers Association of America. I think it would be cool to share one. Or share one. Yeah, we, we share a vote. That would just be sort of a cool like little twist, like our voices that united. Yeah, no, I I agree 100%. And I just think it would be great to show up to, you know, baseball writer events and you have all these like highfalutin baseball writers, your George Wills and your Roger Angel's dead now, but that type of guy. And then we're yeah. there and it's like, you know, they ask us, oh, what, what sort of baseball literature do you craft? You know, then we we li- we play our podcast for them and they get really upset. Bridge, bridge the gap between this one and the previous one. But like, it would be amazing to have like Jeff Basson tweet wide strike zone had it first. We had it three years ago. And I think sort of my uh, number nine to quote an unlistenable Beatles song. We bo- would both love to throw out first pitch at any major league affiliated game. Obviously, an actual major league game would be great, but something in high A attended by just, you know, 500 people. I think that would be really meaningful and would show that, you know, we've still, you know, got the chance to do something in this world to sort of be a part of the game itself. And I'd like to make a guarantee to our listeners right now that if and when that does happen, I will throw an absolute fucking bean of a strike. Yeah. Not winding up on any blooper reels. Even if they don't throw a strike, any celebrity who does not get it to the plate should be banned from the ballpark. Um, and I think our final one, which is sort of an ultimate culmination of any uh, baseball writer, media personality, is um, we would like our uh, yet-to-be-released script of Moneyball 2 optioned and produced by a major, major Hollywood studio. Yeah, and usually when you know any sort of creative uh, pitches their scripts, they will say, "Oh, I can't tell you what it is because I'm worried you know people will steal my idea." This is not the case here. We're worried we'll be killed for it. It is too dangerous, and it will take a lot of backroom dealing and sort of uh, alterations to the text, perhaps. Like think you know the the hypothetical like if you had a time machine, would you go back and kill baby Hitler? Like Rob Manfred would probably go back in time and and kill Michael Lewis, right? Oh, easily. He ruined the sport. So, like, just think how dangerous Moneyball 2 is going to be. Exponentially more dangerous. It's like a magnitude in an earthquake. It's not a case where, where 2 is 1 more than 1. It's 10 times more severe. Yeah. And then, like, we're going to franchise that shit, obviously. Or there's Moneyball 2, there's Moneyball 3. I don't know what, what Moneyball 3 will be played with, but Moneyball 4 will be played with sticks and stones. It's been an honor to introduce ourselves and our goals to you, but I also think it's time to put our money where our mouth is. We have discovered some heretofore buried footage of why Vin Scully really stepped down as the Dodgers broadcaster. It is uh, not what you might be expecting, but important to listen to nonetheless. Take a listen. It's time for Dodger Baseball. 
We're here in foggy San Francisco, where your Dodgers are facing the Giants today, who are wearing their iconic black and orange uniforms. Why do I bring this up, you might be wondering? Well, thanks to some kindness of the Dodger faithful, I've learned the colors teams wear are a coded indication of their proclivities. Now the Giants and their black and orange, it's more of a coral, really, means they uh, enjoy heavy SNM and having their toes sucked. That's certainly something to keep in mind for the game today. Now, wouldn't you know it, I have a full list of codes here. And this sort of detailed and thorough analysis is just one example of the great work the Dodger front office has done over the years. Red seems to indicate fisting. I assume this to mean that these teams celebrate with a gentle fist bump, the Eskimo kiss of dugout celebrations. Yellow means W.S. Well, I suppose the Padres have always been rather aspirational. Now, your Dodgers are out there today, and they're away grays, which I am made to believe means they're actually hoping to get tied up today. We might be in for a close matchup this evening, folks. This historic rivalry never does disappoint. Now, wait a minute. Ah, I see. It says here that giving and receiving varies depending on the right or left side. It would appear as though a batter's handedness impacts their... I'd like to apologize. As it turns out, these supposed codes have nothing to do with baseball. In fact, they're a series of codes used for anonymous gay sex. That's something that always bothered me. The phrase anonymous gay sex. Gender and sexuality are broad spectrums that can't be easily ascertained at first glance, let alone in the dark. If a sexual experience is truly anonymous, who's to say it's gay at all? I suppose that's the beauty of humanity. We are all secrets waiting to discover ourselves. Well, anyway, speaking of anonymous gay sex, Clayton Kershaw takes the map. So this isn't necessarily always going to be a news podcast. Like we're not here to like report breaking news. There's already a million baseball news things. I'm sure there's already been. We're not breaking pod- news unless we're giving a, a take on it. We don't think anyone else has. Yeah, which is is what we're doing here. Thanks to our friend, uh, friend of the show, Wayne Coy. We don't know him personally or, or even impersonally, but uh, we, we like his style. So he was on Locked on A's, the most watched TV show for Oakland A's fans. And he he broke some news about the proceedings that, that led to the Oakland A's being allowed to leave leave the Bay Area for the Las Vegas desert. And uh, we've got some audio for you right here. We already know what happened with the legislature here in Nevada. They basically rammed this thing through without any sort of uh, vetting process whatsoever. And today was no exception, Steve. The owners did the same thing. In fact, uh, there were six or seven owners that were literally discussing a no vote. Unfortunately, the leader of that group passed away on Tuesday. He was the owner of the San Diego Padres. 
So the question is sort of begged that if, you know, uh, Seidler was the leader of this group, who would some of the six or seven other owners be? Uh, one who comes to mind immediately is John Middleton, a Phillies owner, who is also sort of a independently wealthy, quote unquote, uh, nutcase who just really likes baseball. So we're led to believe, but that would sort of match in line with how Seidler operates. So guy guy who has uh, no intention of threatening to leave the city or get really cheap all of a sudden and thus wouldn't be afraid that like whatever whatever John Fisher does would be used against them. The league saw him throwing tall boys of beer out into the crowd at the NLCS and they were like, we cannot we cannot let this guy keep getting away with losing valuable money for the league. One of them is already too many. 30 would be an end of us. In that same vein, maybe. So it sort of reminds me also of when Dan Snyder uh, was finally forced out. It wasn't because of the litany of sexual misconduct allegations, uh, you know, fudging of medical records, etc. It's because they found out he was stealing money from other owners. So I could also just see like sort of the richest teams being like, we're not putting up with this. I could see Steve Cohen being like, though maybe he also just doesn't want to rock the boat. That type of like, ignore me for like two seconds. I like the idea that Artie Moreno was there because he needs like another joke of a team in, in California to take the heat off of him. Yeah, exactly. There's some, uh, there's some billboard ban going into effect in Vegas that uh, he's personally outraged by. <laughs> to contradict that a bit, Artie Moreno would have a fucking field day with the spear. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but Mike Trout would take <laughs> Mike Trout. Oh, that's going to make no sense to anybody. Yeah, I think it, it would sort of come down to any sort of high revenue, uh, high spending teams that are somewhat independently owned. Just sort of a barometer of teams that are, are not going to threaten to move, are not at risk of just cutting payroll out of nowhere. So maybe like you would think maybe a team like the Red Sox would be disinterested, but no, they still have ambitions of operating like the A's. Pathetic behavior, honestly. Basically, just look at the top 10 teams in payroll and pick six at random that are not the Atlanta Braves. And you've got a pretty good, good estimate of the, the teams that would reasonably be opposed to the A's moving. I mean, we should talk about A.J. Preller. There is something to be said for GMs who are very good at talking to owners. I'm not sure what's to be said for GMs who are good at talking to exactly one owner, which is what seems to be the case with A.J. Preller, a guy who has no business running a baseball team and never has. If for whatever reason... You know, we can speculate some reasons, but uh, you know, maybe we should wait until an autopsy report comes out. Uh, you know, Peter Seidler seemed to really, really like A.J. Preller and his just limitless energy and uh, overwhelming enthusiasm. The and late nights working, 4 a.m. business deals. The, the fuck it, dude. Let's open a restaurant uh, energy that uh, carries into Major League Baseball. Fuck it, dude. Let's sign Xander Bogarts. I know we already have an amazing middle infield. What's one more? I, I, know, I know a guy who can really help us bring this together. So AJ Preller, we're calling it now. AJ Preller is not surviving the offseason. He is getting shown the door. Someone else is going to get brought in to tidy up the, the finances, essentially. Trade Juan Soto. Maybe like pay down one of the terrible contracts they have. And uh, the other owners will be like, all right. Cool. Do a good job running this baseball team. This could be an easy path to achieving one of our ten goals too. Um, mm. Like I could see, I could see wide strike zone had it first. AJ Preller canned by Padres front office. Well, let's just get that audio clip, uh, you know, so we can isolate it and share it. 
breaking news here at Wide Strike Zone, thanks to friend of the pod, Wayne Coy, uh, we have learned that A.J. Preller has been fired from his position as general manager of the Padres, effective immediately. And uh, for good measure, he's been banned from ever entering a Petco park as well. Or a Petco store. Or a Petco store. He's been banned from all Petco-affiliated companies and products. If you see A.J. Preller walking a dog, alert the San Diego Padres front office. <laughs> Hell, honestly, call the Navy SEALs. Isn't that where like all the, all the SEALs are in San Diego, right? Yes, walk to the end of one of your nearest streets where one of these SEALs will be waiting at attention for you to uh, alert any sort of malfeasance in the area, and they will deal with Preller appropriately. It's been a pretty relentless string of bad news for the Padres and their fans for like the last calendar year now, but we are happy to tell you that it's not all death and disappointment in Southern California. Corey and I actually dug around in the vaults at KWSB, which is San Diego's Fox affiliate, and we got our hands on this shelved report from last year that we think is uh, is going to raise the spirits of Padre fans and non-Padre fans alike. So check it out, and here it is for you now. It hasn't been harmonious in the Padres clubhouse, but that doesn't mean things haven't been harmonious outside of it, at least for the team's stars. The Noble Experiment one of the brightest bars in San Diego's Gas Lamp District, is home to the largest barbershop quartet scene in the city. The once-dying movement, known as the quad scene by its acolytes, has been resuscitated thanks to the active interest of superstar outfielder Juan Soto. After arriving in San Diego in the late summer of 2022, Soto became enamored with the city's burgeoning barbershop scene. I'd always been fascinated by it, even when I was growing up in the Dominican Republic. There wasn't much of it in D.C. Most bars would close around 9 or 10 o'clock to keep things kid-friendly. It wasn't until I got out here that I really fell in love with it all over again. Shortly after the 2023 season began, as Soto developed a greater leadership role in the clubhouse, he began recruiting his fellow superstars, Xander Bogarts, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr., to form a group of their own. I grew up in Curacao. There'd be those singing trios on the street, and they'd always leave a vocal roll open for someone passing by. They didn't always have a fourth. To me, that's what America is about. So of course I said yes. Tatis, however, was less convinced. I wasn't sure. I just missed a whole season with a shoulder injury, and then I was suspended for performance-enhancing drugs. I just wasn't sure how the fans would respond to me dedicating so much time to being in a barbershop quartet. But Tatis relented, and by the first weekend in May, the group known as the Top Four a nod to both the team batting order and the Four Tops, Machado's favorite band, were regular fixtures at the Noble Experiment. Ever the competitors, the Padres are no stranger to rivalries. Like their proverbial older brothers in Los Angeles, when it comes to matters of the diamond, there's another group who want nothing more than to see the star-studded experiment fail, Noble or not. There's this local guy in the area, Dylan O'Brien, who runs an antique store down the road. He and his three brothers come in once in a while, and they're good. The group known as Daffodils Daffodils, have been a staple of San Diego's quad scene since the late 90s. The Daffodils insist the rivalry is friendly, but the top four aren't so sure. There's always going to be a bias. The barbershop quartet community is a very old school way of thinking. You never can see one Latino guy in a group, let alone a full group. It's a lot like the new school analytics movement and stuff. It takes guys a while to change their old ways of thinking. That doesn't mean they don't have the respect of local aficionados. 
If you didn't know who they were and just closed your eyes, all you'd hear are God's messengers, said local fan Tim Hicks. It's not all fun and roses. We do forget to study film sometimes. <laughs> and a lot of the players think our heart isn't in the team or whatever. I think that's ridiculous. If you can sing your heart out, you can play your heart out. We've got a special team in San Diego. And he's right. It just doesn't happen to be the Padres. And coming up next, a five-year-old boy with Alzheimer's has a Make-A-Wish experience he'll never forget. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers on winning the World Series. Finally, Dallas can have a parade that doesn't end in tragedy. We'll see you next week on Wide Strike Zone. This is the end, beautiful friend. This is the end, my own.